Hi friends, Owen Locke and Rick Talley here from Locke and Company Distilling. First off, we'd like to thank Sam and Jay at the Unfiltered Podcast for all they do in our industry, community, and more importantly, it's just good to work with great guys like them. Owen and I are Colorado natives. We've spent more than a decade perfecting our Aspenage rye whiskey, and we think it's well worth the wait. Rye whiskey usually isn't for the faint of heart, but we have to say this is hands down some of the smoothest rye on the market. That comes from our 95% rye, 5% barley mash bill and our unique aging process. We age our whiskey in smaller 30 gallon barrels for a minimum of two years. And then we finish the rye by adding hand cut and hand charred aspen discs harvested from our family property outside of Fairplay, Colorado. This artisanal process produces an extremely smooth rye with notes of light brown sugar, cinnamon to balance the spiciness of the rye grain truly delivering a taste like none other. So if you enjoy gold medal winning spirits, want to support small business, and need a gift for the holidays or for yourself, please consider making Lock & Co. Aspenage Rye Whiskey your next purchase. You can find our Aspenage Rye Whiskey at many bars and restaurants and most liquor stores on the front range and throughout Colorado. Check us out at lockandcodistilling.com. That's L-O-C-K-E at lockandcodistilling.com. Cheers from Rick and Owen. I'm sorry to have to start this week's episode with a plug, but I completely forgot to do it when we were introducing Scott Yates from Mythology. So if you're not already, please follow us on Instagram, on Twitter, and on Facebook. We really appreciate the support. This week's show, Scott Yates, one of the founders and co-owners of Mythology Distillery, based here in Colorado. You've seen their bottles. They have some beautiful artwork. You'll see them on shelves, and it's really, really cool. We'll get into how that artwork came to be. Some of the names that pop up will sound familiar. Jay was uh, was fantastic in this one. He helped me get through the episode while my youngest daughter was screaming. So many thanks to Jay, my old buddy and co-host. With that said, we present to you Scott Yates from Mythology Distillery. Thank you all. Hope you're having a fantastic week. John is what the police and my mother call me. <laughs> and apparently I found out today HR. So <laughs> that was that was a weird one. I hadn't spoken to human resources in a while, but anyway. So um so you're you're in Steamboat. I am, yeah. So um both me, my other business partner, uh, we both live in Steamboat. Okay, nice. Um, but we founded mythology and we're from Denver originally. And so we wanted to place it in Denver. We felt like it was a better fit to get a brand awareness out there. Yeah. Um, but now it's been about two and a half years. And now we're looking at locations up here um, to build out like a consolidated. What's that scene like? I mean, Jay and I have obviously both been to Steamboat several times, but it's been a few years for me. Jay, I don't know about you. I was up there. Yeah, I was up there yeah. in the fall. We go up twice a year. So, I mean, you've What's got the, a distillery already, right? Yeah. Yeah, Steamboat Whiskey Company. That's what okay. it is. So, I mean, is there, is there, I, I guess. Is there is room the, for a second is one? Is there room for a second one? one? Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, so that's, that's the interesting thing, right? Like when we started this, um, we kind of felt like, oh, you know, 
SEMA Whiskey Company wasn't open, but okay. we knew they were getting ready to open. Mm -hmm. And we were looking at it, Steamboat as a community is about 12,000 people. So a population of 12,000 didn't feel like it could support mm -hmm. um, one distillery, let alone two. But I mean, I think if, as we've learned, um, the reason we would want to consolidate and come back here is as we distribute nationally, being located in a mountain town is really advantageous because yeah. you get all the tourists coming in, you know? So you're coming when, in. When we were in Steamboat in August, like what traffic, the traffic on Maine starts at three o'clock and doesn't end until seven. Yeah, it's it's fucking bullshit. I mean, there's no way that you guys would lose money by being the number two or the second distillery in Steamboat. Yeah. Actually, my neighbor is starting a distillery up here called uh, Route County Distillers as well. Oh, um, are you in, are you in, uh, where are you at? Where do you live in Steamboat? I'm downtown. Oh, okay. Right on. So just kind of my wife has a lot of family in steamboats we, like i said we try to get up there twice a year so nice do you bike yeah. up here or um we do a little bit we didn't take bikes this past year my five-year-old's not quite freewheeling on two yet so we just instead we tubed a lot <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, so i think we've covered too much ground already we're already recording let's walk good back. i was gonna i was gonna ask you're recording all right good. just so you know scott i didn't know if this was a podcast or a zoom call no, no, this is, this is, well, it's both. It's both. Okay. Perfect. Jay and I, uh, uh, quick background. We started this, what, Jay, two years ago now. Uh, two, two years yeah. ago. So you're our 105th, 110th something uh, interview. Uh, thanks to Owen Locke for making yeah. this happen. Really, really appreciate it. Um, we, we did this because uh, we, we like to talk to people who make the stuff that, you know, gets us drunk. And um, it's been pretty awesome because we've made some fantastic friends out of this. So Jay's a banker. I'm a college professor. This is very much a side hustle for us, but yeah. uh, it's, it's something fun that we wanted to do. And so I guess with that said, good sir, can you introduce us? Introduce yourself. Sure. Uh, I'm Scott Yates. I'm the founder and president of Mythology Distillery. All right. So we got into it a little bit, right? But can you just kind of give us a timeline and a story? of yeah. mythology because i think you know jay and i were talking before you jumped on you know as you were waiting waiting in the waiting room you know it's your brand is i would say up there with a bear creek with a uh a breckenridge in terms of uh, i see it on the shelves and, and we recognize it but you know this is really cool to kind of to hear where it comes from and all this so i mean spin your yarn and then let, let, let's hear it and jay and i will kind of bounce questions on you okay cool well thanks for that i appreciate you putting us in the same camp those guys have been around for a while. We're, uh, we're kind of newbies. So, uh, appreciate that. The, so yeah, so this idea came out of a ski trip. Um, it was a passion project that grew and grew and grew. So, um, the way it started, I was on a backcountry ski trip in Haynes, Alaska with a couple of good buddies. Um, we're skiing up there. Uh, it's a pretty wild place. Um, you know, you get socked in a lot. Uh, and aren't able to ski uh, by the weather, which is good because it means it's snowing for the next day or maybe a week later. Um, so you find kind of weird things to do. Um, we visited a guy that, you know, owned a lynx, owned a grizzly bear. Uh, I kissed a moose. It's kind of interesting. <laughs> uh, a, a, did you kiss a wild moose or a domesticated moose? That's a good question. It was his pet moose. Okay. So I guess okay. it's domesticated. He had wolverines. Yeah. That's kind of cool. What the fuck? That's he, awesome. 
he came out with a, like a leash with this Wolverine and started wrestling it. Um, yeah. I mean, like at the time you go back and forth, you're like, is he awesome? Is he crazy? It's a little bit of both. Um, but that actually, that experience up there influenced some of our designs and why we have the half animal, half human on our design. I'll, I'll kind of go nice. into that. But, but really what it was, right, is, you know, we're up there, we're skiing. It's pretty gnarly. We're having a great time. We're higher than life. And there's a small distillery uh, up in Haynes, Alaska. Uh, and we ended up in there. You know, you're kind of packed in, very non-COVID friendly kind of kind of place, right? And you're drinking whiskey and you're next to, you know, a pro skier, a pro snowboarder. And then there's us and you're just feeling higher than life and you're just sharing stories about, you know, like the runs that you took that day or some line that you went down or holy shit, Scott fell and it was like pretty gnarly. Um, and so we did that pretty much every night. Um, <laughs> you know, <Okay>. and <laughs> so that kind of paints a picture, but it was one of those things where we have friends that have owned breweries. We love breweries. Um, but we really felt like we're into adventure. We're into travel. A lot of times we get back, we tell stories over like a glass of whiskey. Yeah. Um, maybe we have a cocktail. We're pretty simplistic, maybe like a gin and tonic. Um, but mainly drinking whiskey. And I think just like being in that element, your adrenaline's going the whole time. You're sharing these really like extreme fun adrenaline rush stories and you're drinking whiskey and then you're seeing the distillation equipment. Um, I'm kind of an equipment nerd a little bit when it just comes to the engineering side. Mm -hmm. um, and so it just kind of sparked in me like, hey, I love craft beer. I love craft spirits. I don't know a lot about it. So I got back. Um, at the time, I was running a real estate development company that was mine uh, in Denver, developing affordable housing. I'd been doing that for 10 years. Um, there, I didn't want to get out of it. I just was following this passion, going to distilleries. You know, you mentioned Bear Creek. I must have gone in there three or four times, just kind of checking it out, talking to them. And I eventually kind of settled on this fact of like, I really wanted to create a brand um, that represented what we were experiencing. Something that you're telling stories with your friends and you want to drink a really good whiskey or you want to drink a good gin. Um, and you want that brand to invoke that conversation as well. So how much, I mean, obviously you're alluding to it. It's laid out in the story you just told. How important is friendship in particular, you know, man friendship, you know, uh, you know to, to this? Because uh, I think Jay and I, and we've talked about this and, and, and we kind of go everywhere on this show. So that's why I bring this up. But yeah. I just miss drinking beer with Jay, you know, in person oh. and hanging out and doing all that and, and, sh and sharing stories about, you know, the times that our you know, kids fell off the fucking swing or something, right? Yeah. 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 So I get that. But I mean, how much is, is that a part of not just your story, but I guess the identity of mythology even now? It's huge. I mean, it, everything about what we do is like, grabbing mythology and having a drink with your friends, okay. you know, like, as you mentioned, like it's rooted. Some of my best friends are, you know, met at festivals, you know, and we're engaging we're having drinks together or it's going mountain bike riding or skiing and then coming back to the truck and having a drink together and engaging. Like, so it just continues. Um, and now we have a brand that's our own that we can grab and, and feel like it's just a part of it. Like it's very cohesive. 
through what well, you I just had this. Go ahead. Sorry, Jay. No, you're good. I was just going to say, I just had this conversation with a colleague on Friday. Um, I'm an atypical banker, to put it mildly, but uh, I, I actually focus specifically in outdoor sports industries and food and beverage, beer being really the big one. Um, and this colleague of mine was like, why is this your specialty? And I said, frankly, the people are cooler. They're easier <laughs> to deal with. And it's more fun, right? Like if you're going to, you know, being a banker is like the furthest thing from fun. So why not make it fun and at least pick the clients that you want to work with. But what I was trying to explain to this guy in the long run was the, the intersection between booze and outdoor sports and, and whether it's a cold beer at the end of a ski day or at the top of a 14er or a nice stiff whiskey sitting around the fire, I, you can't get away from this, this parallel or this intersection, in my opinion. Um, what is that in your mind? What do you see there? Yeah, uh, that's a good question. I mean, it, it's just so complimentary, right? It, it, opens us, it opens us up to conversation. Um, you know, I mean, we all know, hey, have a couple of drinks and you, you loosen up a little bit. Um, and that's why it's such a great compliment. You, you kind of, you know, not that you always need to let your guard down, but, you know, you have a drink and you're able to kind of like let your guard down a little bit, um, be a little bit more open about the stories you know, share more with people. Um, so I think that's why like beer and whiskey are just so great, you know, to complement those experiences. Uh -oh. Sorry, there we go, there we go, I got it. Um, how much of, of that, you know, commercial development job and and the mythology job have meshed in the years since in the sense that you know do you have, are you still buttoned up on that side of your life and this is kind of just mixing with it or how does that work now how do you balance those things yeah so so on one side commercial real estate helped me and my development experience helped me tremendously with being able to open the distillery okay um opening a distillery building code fire code licensing working with the government you know, I was um, winning and selling tax credits to fund projects. So I'm, I was very familiar with government programs. So mm -hmm. when it came to the TTB or state licensing, it was like, I'm already accustomed to regulation and, and following that. When it came to fire code, you know, we're in a mixed use building um, in the Lower Highlands neighborhood. Mm -hmm. It's fairly complicated, but you know, I was able to use that experience and use my network to be able to meet with the right people at the city of Denver, you know, to walk through ideas and to, to really have that conversation and understand how to design it correctly, hire the right team, you know, not just all about hiring an engineer and saying, hey, put it on paper. You know, I'm able to actually contribute and say, hey, you know, I'm not an expert in fire sprinkler design, but, you know, I've built X amount of buildings, I understand it. What if we could do this? Um, so that was great. As far as like how they meld today. Um, so I developed affordable housing. I was primarily a developer where I developed for different ownership groups. Um, I still retain some ownership of a couple of properties, 
So really my real estate these days is like based on just the operations management of a couple properties. Um, we've gone, I've gone pretty much all in on the distillery. Um, so, I mean, that's been pretty fun that, you know, to Jay's point, it's like that light's kind of bad, uh, to Jay's point, it's just fun. Right. Like, I don't know if you guys know many real estate developers. Um, I do. I don't mean to stereotype, but it's not necessarily, uh, my crowd. Um, there's a lot of good people in the business. Um, but I was a little bit of an outsider and now I enter the distillery world and it's like, these are my people, you know? How did you get into re uh, re uh, commercial real estate development then? Just out of curiosity. Um, I got into real estate. Real estate was, I mean, real estate was my career. Um, I spent 15 years in it. Um, worked for a big institutional developer based out of Dallas for a while. Developed anything from hotels to land, office to industrial across the country um, initially. And I was just kind of a low guy on the totem pole. But then I worked for a company called Coble and Company based in Denver. Um, great family, worked for them, did some development management for them. And in the recession of 2008, 2009, we got into affordable housing. And after building my first project with them, I just found, hey, here's an opportunity. It was something I really believed in, something I felt passionate about developing 50 to 100 units of affordable housing for workforce housing. Um, and I love doing it. So in the span that I ran my own company, I developed six affordable housing projects, about 500 total units. Um, and it was great. Absolutely loved it. Just turns out I have a passion for whiskey more. It's slightly higher. It was slightly, yeah, just, you know, dealing with the bureaucratic side of everything, you know, running this company and growing it is a little bit less bureaucratic, which makes for a lot more enjoyable days. Did you, I mean, was there a point in your life that you knew you had a, 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 that entrepreneurial thread running through you? I mean, or was this something that you kind of just discovered with the, the, the housing and, and with the, uh, the whiskey? Yeah, you know, I think it was just through real estate. I, I think real estate in itself, especially development, is so entrepreneurial. Each project that you develop is really starting your own company. You know, it's, it's going out, it's having a vision. Okay, I'm gonna go build this in that spot, working the, with the community, finding new investors, finding lenders, you know, putting a team together. So I kind of felt like almost every project I developed was its own company in itself. So then transitioning to starting the distillery, very different, but kind of like followed that entrepreneurial thread. Tell us now, I guess, let's go back 10 minutes. All right, you're drinking whiskey, you're hanging out in Alaska. How in the fuck did you get from there, right, to actually having stuff on the shelf? Yeah, um, so a large part because of going to a lot of Colorado distilleries and enjoying the product, right? And, you know, so going out, experiencing it and saying, okay, I really enjoy this. Like, wouldn't this be fun if we did it? So. I convinced my two friends that I was there with that we should start a distillery. Um, you know, started with, hey, this is really fun, you know, drinking with you guys, sharing stories. I like equipment to like, let's do this. And quite honestly, I mean, I'm a, I'm a business 
focused person, I saw a huge opportunity in it. Um, and where I saw an opportunity was I saw an opportunity to create a brand that tells a story, um, something a little bit different that's on the shelf. Um, I think you can tell if you've seen our bottles, you know, like we spent a lot of time on them. Like, how do we tell a story? If, if we're drinking a product um, and we're telling stories, then shouldn't our brand convey a story as well? Um, so kind of just started in on it, found a property to locate the distillery and started going through it. What I did know is that I was not going to be the distiller. Um, so that was really key to me. Um, and our business plan was, hey, I'm passionate about this, but I'm passionate about growing a brand. Um, I understand the operations, the marketing, creating a team and the sales, but, you know, I can't operate a still. Um, so we set out to find a distiller and through a mutual connection, I met um, Scott Coburn, who became our distiller. And he was um, at the time the head of production for High West Distillery. Um, out of Park City, Utah. So he had been a distiller there. He was head of production. Um, he then ends up leaving there to come and start this with us uh, because he was looking at that time for some creativity. And, you know, after selling to Constellation, a little bit of creativity was stripped, even though Constellation's a great brand. And they kind of stripped of that. So, hey, Scott, come on board. And so then we set out to say, hey, like, we really want to, you know, produce high quality spirits, but something that has unique flavors to it. What Scott's done a really good job is we've worked together as a team to figure out processes that if you've had our gin, there's definitely like layers of flavor that you can differentiate. Our whiskey, uh, we take a blending approach to it. And the reason we take a blending approach to it is because we wanna impart different layers of flavor. We wanna pull barrels of whiskey with different mash bills that have different maturities that are aged in different rack houses across the country, combine those into a desired product um, and create layers. So I kind of got ahead maybe, but then it, you know, full circle, we opened up in August of 2018 and it's been a roller coaster, but mainly a good roller coaster um, for the most part. Jay, can you hear me? Jay, did he freeze? Oh, he froze. Yeah. Oh, my God. I was like, what the hell happened? Okay. So um, what made you go? I guess let's let's talk about location, man. Why that particular location? What what gave you, uh, uh, you know, what compelled you to go there in Denver of all places? Yeah, yeah. So, so that's an interesting point, right? Because we're based in Steamboat. You know, as far as like we live in Steamboat, we wanted to be in Denver. As I mentioned, the reason for being in Denver just brand awareness and we wanted, you know, we're originally from Denver. We felt like it was a great location to start and reach out to the community and have a lot of presence. Um, as far as that location, uh, we knew the building owner that was the developer that was building that building. Um, and from what I was learning from a design construction standpoint is that there's so much to deal with fire code and frankly building code with fire separations and everything that we needed to get in early with the design. And so they had just broken ground on the property and then we got involved. But as they were building the building, you know, we were changing things 
changing sewer lines to cast iron pipes, changing the whole fire riser, changing fire separations, changing structural. So it really kind of like worked out pretty well that we knew the developer well and they allowed us to make changes along the way um, so that we could actually, you know, be a permitted distillery in that building. How invaluable, I mean, you alluded to it, you kind of outlined it earlier, how invaluable was your experience previous to this in just being able to label that kind of location, right? Like how much value, how much time, how much energy was saved by you knowing this is what I need to get on board with the development of this uh, that might've been wasted had you had you not found a place like that? Yeah, like I, I kind of wonder every once in a while if it would have just continued to be a passion, right? Like, would I have just been like, oh, you know what? I'm really passionate about doing this, but I just can't find a location that works, you know, because that happens, uh, especially with distilleries. There's some great distillers out there that just have been unable to find that property. Um, so let me, yeah. let me ask you this too. And this was teed up until my internet failed again, which is rare at my house. I don't know what's going on here, but one of the things that surprises me, the, the, the big difference, I think, between breweries and distilleries is you typically get a brewer, home brewer, ex-corporate brewer that wants to start a brewery. I don't think I've run into a distillery that we've spoken to yet that was a distiller before they started. What's... What, what's so special about this industry versus beer that makes it, I don't know, an easier jump, a, a bigger jump for somebody without the right kind of background or the right experience. Um, and, and one of the things I pointed out to Sam that strikes me is you keep in, not in a bad way, but you keep talking about, you wanted to create a brand. Like you're not putting the whiskey or the juice first necessarily in our dialogue. Um, yeah. But it's, it's just as important to have that brand. But I, I, I'm just curious. Like, yeah. like it's, two, it's clearly two different mindsets, right? Two different types of people. It is. So, um, and my answer might kind of surprise you about it. So like our distiller is a chemist and a mathematician by trade. Okay. And he was a distiller for six years, you know, at, at one of the most successful distilleries in the country before we hired him. And so our view is actually that like, because of that experience and that knowledge, that science background, he's an exceptional distiller and the product he puts out is exceptional. It's very calculated, you know, and that's how we're able to impart these different layers of flavor and like really understand how the equipment distills out, you know, how we move the distillate through the columns and then cut it. Um, I personally find it like interesting. That's something we saw an opportunity. We saw an opportunity to hire a distiller, like a professional distiller. Um, I think that I found it a little bit interesting as well, right? Like a lot of people home brew, but then, yeah, you, you find someone and it's like, oh, boom, they were X and then boom, they started a distillery. Um, sometimes they make good products. Sometimes they don't. It's a little bit harder to hide imperfections. Um, but I'm definitely of the mindset of like chemist, math background, like high sensory ability, 
kind of allows it. I do think there's a lot of petroleum engineers that get into distilling. Okay. Uh, Cause they're working on refining, refining oil. So like they're used to that side of it. Um, is there a, is there a bigger risk or is it a more calculated risk for people like you to get into this without the background? Because maybe you've got the cash or you've got the business savvy to pull it off and, and manage around not having hands-on distilling experience. I mean, do, do you guys, is it, is it easier? Do you have a, a, a leg up on a brewery, so to speak, or is it just a different business model altogether? I think it, it depends who you talk to, right? I think it's, for us, it's a different business model. Um, for us, our business model is create a brand that become, you know, that can tell a story that people can associate with. You have a really great product that, you know, you'll get pull through. I mean, that's kind of, we feel the reason I come through with the brand initially, a lot of times it's one, that's kind of like my baby, that my part of the operation, but also we feel like the brand is what gets people to buy the product first. The taste of the product is what gets people to buy it again and again and again. And so it's kind of like I set it up. Okay. I set up the customer. Now it's my production team's responsibility. Create a good product. On the, on the other guy. Right. And, and I think they've done an exceptional job because that's where we have really thrived that like, you know, our pull through has done really well and it's allowed us to just grow significantly with distribution. So let's, let's talk about brand then. I mean, you've obviously nailed it, right? Like I'm, cruising through your website here, looking at these bottles and they are sexy as fuck. And they tell a little bit of a story, right? Yeah. But they want, they make you want to really hear or, or figure out what the, what the rest of the story is. Yeah. And the rest of the stories and the rest of the story is meant to be, you know, who's drinking it. Uh, you I know, like it. It's, it's, hey, like, here's a story. Here's a conversation starter, right? Discover your spirit animal. We felt, you know, that's obviously a great play on spirits, but we felt like that's just great, right? We have a lot of people, they pick up a bottle. Next thing you know, they're, they're talking about, hey, what's your spirit animal? They have a conversation about it. Um, something we do on the back of the bottle. Um, it's a little tongue in cheek, uh, but we create a story that's made up of the two characters on the front. Um, you know, so if it's the whiskey, um, it's the mountain guy with the badger and it's a story about what brings them together. Um, the, the reason it's a little tongue in cheek is that when I was doing research on other distilleries and craft distilleries, there's always the story of someone's great grandfather that has a recipe. And I was like, these stories are bullshit. So I, was like, <laughs> I was like, let's it's just like, create it's it's like the Capone whiskey that my buddy gave me years ago. And he's like, this is Al Capone's recipe, or this is what Al Capone drank. And I was like, oh, this tastes like shit. And then I read a story like 15 years later that it's all fucking distilled in one place and they just slap a label on it. So yeah, at some point you're right. Some of it is just. Exactly. I mean, some of them are great, right? But yeah, I was, some of the laughing, stories are great. You know, I'd laugh at a couple of them. So I was like, Let's just make up our own bullshit story, but it's like so out there, you know, people know it's fake. 
and, and forgive me, I haven't read the stories, but but the artwork is insane. I mean, it is so good. And the one that the one that really jumps off the page for me is the rum. Um, you know, we see a lot of these mountain people in Colorado, yeah. and maybe that maybe that's where it is. But the pirate and the parrot are just it's fucking perfect. You like that? Yeah. So like we take, so one, there's a group called Noxie Sozo. That's our illustrator agency up in Boulder, like killer agency. Uh, I can't thank them enough for taking a little bit what was inside our head, then making it a little bit even more wacky and putting it on paper. Uh, We interviewed, you know, I interviewed so many different firms and they were like, no, this is what you do, you know, craft paper, emboss it, blah, blah. I was like, no, like, that's, not what, that's not what we're doing. And then I go to Moxie Sozo's office and there's like a mannequin hanging from the ceiling and, you know, who knows what else in the office. I'm like, this is our group. I feel like you're not, uh, didn't they, they do the bootstrap cans too, right? I believe that they're, uh, Actually, they do bootstrap. I, I think, think they, I think they might. I know they do Crazy Mountain. Uh, oh okay i see a little bit of similarity there yeah yeah uh, okay, okay so, sorry my kid jay you might have to take the lead on this because uh my <laughs> wife is late my youngest one is screaming at me so as you can for see, a lady that works from home i don't understand how she can be late no uh, she went she had to coach skating at dcc so yeah that's all right yeah, yeah. um yeah mute that shit i don't know where he was going but um yeah, I mean, is it – you guys clearly, again, back to you creating a brand, right? You had a vision. You had a plan. Um, and, and obviously some of that comes from your, you know, housing development or your real estate development days. You know what you're getting into. You know what you want. But was it difficult with Moxie Sozo to, to get them on board or, or they, they bought it, hook, line, and sinker? That was the great thing, right, that, like – of anyone we met with, they just got it immediately. And it was like, you know, they were always four steps ahead. You know, like initially it was like, you know, we didn't know it was half animal, half human. It was more like, we met this guy, he had a pet Wolverine. We have to incorporate that, you know? <laughs> and then we're telling them the story and it's funny. And then all of a sudden, you know, they come up with this idea. What if it's half human, half animal? And you're like, oh, that's, that's pretty cool. That's um, awesome. And I mean, one of the most fun parts, right, is that each time we come out with a new product, we get to design something new. We try to pull from not necessarily like people we know, but like stories or, you know, some inspiration. Um, the Feather Jester Rum. So that one is kind of a combination because um, it's a pirate and then it's a parrot. Um, obviously that goes well with rum, but it's kind of loosely based on, uh, me and one of, uh, the other founders, my friend, my wife, some of our other friends, we went down to Panama. We jumped on this sailboat, just kind of met this guy online, jumped on his sailboat. And I mean, he kind of was a pirate. Um, he just, that's how horror movies start. Yeah. Right. But like a good pirate. I don't know. Captain Ron. Captain Ron. Did it? Oh yeah. he didn't have a hook for a hand. He was more like sure. Captain Ron. Okay. Drank a ton of rum, um, you know, and we just drank and partied the whole time in the San Blas, like south of Panama. It was super fun. Um, but like, we were like, we got to put kind of like a pirate on there because of that. Um, 
you know, and then the parrot obviously went kind of hand in hand with that. hand in hand. Yeah. So the, the, the variety of juice that you guys are splashing us on the website with, and that that's available on the shelves is pretty varied. Yeah. Um, I guess that's the reason for the word variety we get not to compare again. Right. But we get some guys, some distilleries that are whiskey, whiskey, whiskey. Yep. Or Irish pot still X, Y, Z only. Right. Yeah. Tell me what. And then we get, then we get, yeah. Yeah. Tell me, which Great. don't get me wrong. Love those guys. But then yeah. we get people like mythology or a bear Creek where, Hey, what else can we do? What's, what's the next thing? And, and, and not that your guys are jumping on bad wagons here, but is it difficult to be a manufacturer or distiller of, of multiple varietals or yeah. do you guys enjoy that? So it's a great question. So yes, it is really hard. It's fun, but you've kind of caught us at this in-between time. We've been working on redoing our website for the past, uh, maybe four, six months or seven. It should be actually ready maybe the end of this week, but I'll come back. I'll come back next week. <laughs> come back next week and check it out. So like we have really, when we started, we started with a rye vodka, then we wanted rum, you know, we, we do whiskey blending and we started doing gin. And, you know, when we started this, like we're whiskey drinkers um, and gin drinkers. I'm a pretty heavy gin drinker. So okay. Like those are our passions. And as we develop those products, those are what we started veering towards. And it was also what we found our customer base was veering towards. Our rye vodka is exceptional. It goes great in a martini. It's one uh, best vodka in the world, best vodka in the United States, best vodka in Colorado. Um, it's great, but it's really unique. And rum is kind of the same. It's really unique and it's great. We decided... Uh, last summer, as a company, let's really hone in. Let's become more of a whiskey and gin distillery. Um, okay. And then these other products become more specialty. So we're really whiskey. We have our bourbon. We have our American whiskey. We do some, uh, we do our Syrah finished whiskey, which is our American whiskey finished in fresh Syrah wine barrels. Ooh. Except this big blackberry fruit. It's absolutely delicious. Um, this year, we'll be rolling out this new single barrel program, which is all finishing. Uh, finishing our bourbon and American whiskey in different barrels from port to rum to brandy. Um, and then gin. So we have our needle pick gin, which is our stable product. And then we have our forager's gin. And that we produce in partnership with the Denver Botanic Gardens. Um, they harvest botanicals for us. We use those botanicals lemon verbena, elderflower, chamomile. We use them, we produce a gin. Um, last year, we made about 500 cases. We released it in June. Um, sold out incredibly fast, about six weeks. Um, so this year, we're going with a little bit more. Um, we're excited for that. So it's kind of like, you know, we got our gins that we distill, our whiskeys that we blend, and then our specialty spirits um, as we move forward. Once you had, I want to, okay, uh, once you had the brand figured out, like what, what is, what has happened now, I guess, it, you know, since, you know, you had the bottles made, since you had the artwork made, what are you doing in terms of marketing brand awareness that yeah. has allowed you to have to expand in the way that I think Jay and I have talked about? Yeah. Um, 
So, I mean, we've refined our sales team. We self-distribute. Um, and, you know, we have a sales team in Colorado that self-distributes. Um, it's a lot of work, but we feel like we want to control 100% of the brand message. So I think that's part of it that, you know, we're not jumping right into a distributor relationship. That might be something in the future. But right now we want to create that brand to be out there. So that we're there, we're working with accounts. If they want to come to the distillery, come on over to the distillery, check it out. You know, uh, Tim, our sales associate, he helps with managing the bottling line. He can go in and be like, you know, I package all of these. Um, so we feel like That's that awesome. helps quite a bit. Um, other than that, these partnerships, the Denver Botanic Gardens partnership is huge. What I left out, which is a pretty critical part, you know, we give back to them. So Last year, we donated $9,000 wow. back to the Denver Botanic Gardens. And, and we think that's important that it's, we're not just collecting some botanicals from them, mm -hmm. making it and saying, Denver Botanic Gardens is great. Instead, we're saying, hey, we want to give back to this great organization that was able to give to us. Mm -hmm. um, so I think those type of partnerships, the, our cocktail bar has definitely helped. Um, our mixologists do a great job of making a lot of spirit forward cocktails. Um, but also making some like really fun experiential cocktails, you know, ones that, you know, become spicier as the ice melts or they change color or buzz buttons, you know, like we kind of be, we want the cocktails to tell a story as well. Was that a pretty clear uh, 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 tool, I suppose, that you wanted to use? Like, did you know that you wanted to have that, that kind of, you know, place where mixology would be a key part of the brand or did that come after the location? Yeah, so that was part of it. And that's why we opened in the Lower Highlands neighborhood. I, I feel like, you know, people want to find out about who you are, your front door, yeah. right? Um, and so I just felt like, hey, we needed to create a really good educational front door. Okay. We give distillery tour, you know, COVID's kind of messed that up a little bit, but... Typically, we give distillery tours, you know, several at night. Um, we give free tasters of our spirits. Um, you know, we take that customer is always right to kind of the 10th degree of just like, hey, we, we want to figure out, come in here. This is a great environment. Check it out. You know, taste our spirits, try some cocktails and have a great experience because we view those customers as being like long term purchasing from our retail accounts, you know we become their martini gin or we become their, you know, their nightly, you know, finger or two finger of whiskey. Kind of mm -hmm. Are you, you guys, oh, go Jay, you're good. As you guys uh, continue to kind of target steamboat, then does the Denver presence, the Denver cocktail bar, I mean, how integral is that for you guys to maintain success? Yes. Yeah, so we, we think it's really critical. So we will, if we, what we think is important, like going into a mixed use building was really hard, right? We can't have all of our, our barrels are not there. Um, I was going to ask, I was going to ask if you aged on premises. Yeah. So we have a 5,000 square foot, uh, second production facility that people don't really see. Yeah. Um, and that is where, you know, we do all of our proofing down of spirits, barrel aging, packaging, warehousing, and so our goal is to consolidate the two operations. Um, one, it's, it's just good for our culture to have everyone working in the same building. Yeah. Um, 
two, it's a better experience for the consumer to be like, oh, cool. You know, like everyone wants to see barrels aging. Um, yeah. So if they come in our distillery now, you know, they see the, the fermentation tanks, the mash tun, the, you know, the still, um, but they don't see all the barrels aging. They're like, where is it? We're like, well, you know, we have 400 barrels aging in a rack house. Um, we just, it's not like really a public place yet. So that's why, hey, consolidate it. But we'll, to your question, we'll always remain with an operation in Denver. So I think we'd like to, like, as we grow, you know, have like a consolidated location in the mountains, but then have a cocktail bar by mythology uh, in Denver. Elsewhere, gotcha. But with the with the long-term goal of, of the actual distilling and rack house being in Steamboat, I mean, not to give away too much of the, the yeah. master plan here, but. I think we'd love to do that. Um, you know, we've kind of come full circle on it where we've just said, Hey, like our company and who we are, we're, we're mountain people, um, yeah. you know, and I, I love Denver. I grew up there and, you know, my other two partners are from there as well. Um, but it's one of those things, you know, it's hard to sit there and say, Hey, we're, you know, this is who we are yet. We're not really like there. Yeah. What does, uh, let me ask you as we kind of wrap things up, what's 2021 look like for you, Scott? What, what are the plans with you and the partners? What are you thinking? Obviously COVID is changing some plans, but I mean, we're yeah. there's a light at the end of the tunnel. It's a long ways yeah. away, but we're seeing it. What are you expecting at least the second half of 21? Yeah, for sure. So we're really excited for this year. Um, last year, we built out the second production facility, improved our processes so that we could produce more. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have now narrowed down our product line to these whiskeys and gins. We've in two years, we've been named top car distillery by 5280, two years in a row. We've won 60 medals, including a double gold at San Francisco for our whiskey. So we feel like we've prepared ourselves to say, Hey, we got the brand. We got a really good product. We love our customer base. Let's expand. Um, so we're in process of hiring a national sales director and we're expanding distribution to Arizona, South Carolina, Wisconsin, and wow. Minnesota wow. this year. Okay. On top of where are you guys at? I see that you've got a Montana. Colorado, Montana. Yeah. Montana is one of those things that happened by chance. Uh, one of our bartenders, Emily, um, just uh, during COVID, she took a road trip, went up to Whitefish. Uh, she's originally from there, came back told me, Hey, I want to move back to Whitefish. You know, I think it would, we do really well there. And, um, kind of next thing I, I loved it, you know, because she was a part of the team and we were able to keep her and she moved back up to Montana and she's now killing it up there doing a really good job. Pretty serendipitous. That's pretty cool. It's cool. And it gives us an opportunity to go to Montana, which is great. I was going to say, which came first, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> the like, trip, and then you were distributing, or wait, we were distributing, so now we have to go to Montana. Yeah, Sales someone, meeting. We went. We went up to Whitefish this summer. In uh, well, it wasn't really summer, but fall in September. Okay. And you know, I checked it out. I had not been up there before. I've been to other parts of Montana, but I was like, "God, Whitefish is amazing." You know? Yeah. Whitefish is cool. She's like, see, and you know, I thought we were gonna take. A couple months to prepare for it next thing i know she just moved and we did it well let me just ask you a about... hall full of booze <laughs> uh, uh uh sorry um before you know i forget this uh, train of thought 
we don't get to ask people this question very often because expansion and growth is not necessarily something that, you know, the local craft brewery really has to worry about. How much of a headache have you had to deal with over the last six months? Not just with COVID obviously, but with, with these plans to expand to a much larger market. Like what, what does that look like as a business person? Yeah. So, um, so like one positive of COVID is it allowed me to slow down. Okay. Um, so, you know, before the shutdown, let's go back to like last March. Okay. You know, I was like, hey, we're expanding to California. You know, for some reason, I just had California on my mind. Mm-hmm. Like, we're expanding to California. We'll expand to a couple other markets. We'll do it this summer. Okay. And we didn't have our new production facility fully built out. Our processes weren't in place. The shutdown occurred. Mm-hmm. And it frankly allowed me to take a step back and say, I can't go to California right now. Let's rethink this. And it ended up being really beneficial because we could spend all of 2020 grow, you know, growing Colorado and really focusing on like all relationships in Colorado and growing those, um, setting up Colorado for success for the future, setting up our processes for the future. And also realizing that a market like California, you know, they could wipe you out of all your product if you're successful. Yeah. So it allowed me to take the time to actually research these other markets and be like, okay, these are actually the places you want to go to. And um, so all told, it, there, it probably saved, like it could have saved us as a company a little bit, yeah. having a shutdown and being able to be like, you need to take a step back. And growth is not just go, go, go. Growth is like focus. It's strategic, right? It's yeah, yeah. strategic growth for sure. That makes a hell of a lot of sense. Scott, um, Jay, do you have any closing questions for this good fella? It was a bit of a well, shit show I, of an yeah. interview from the first yeah. minute. So. For all of us, sorry. No, uh, I, uh, I'll be sure to reach out to you next time we're in Steamboat. My, uh, my kids got a regular annual trip planned with his cousin in Steamboat every year to ski. So hopefully oh, nice. I'll be up there next month. Yeah. Yeah, Fingers please crossed. do. Yeah, but Please. other than that, I got, I got nothing intelligent to say, frankly. So, when it, when, do you get back down to Denver a lot? Next time you're in Denver, maybe we should meet up at the cocktail bar. Yeah, I'd love that. We're reopening uh, the cocktail bar next Thursday. Ooh, uh, so I'll plan to reach out, and um, I'd love to give you guys a tour and uh, taste the products, have some cocktails, have some fun. Yes, um, yes, yeah, sure. I'll probably be down in a couple of weeks. Dig it. Perfect. All right, yeah, posted. Thank you for being patient with I, or Jay and I. Thank you for being patient with me, both of you, because uh, that was not the expected interview. But alas, it's unfiltered for a reason. So um, Scott, these shitty Zoom calls are always just teed up for a live in-person interview. So. <laughs> oh, it is. It is for sure. Uh, Scott Yates, uh, founder, owner of Mythology Distillery. Uh, appreciate you joining the show and best of luck to you, good sir. We hope to see you in a couple weeks. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, guys. All right, buddy. Take care. See ya. Have a good night. When they come to tea.